All right. Welcome to uh, the second edition of the Bluminati podcast this week, folks. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Join alongside me, Seth Farnador, Robert Stieg. Uh, we've had 24 hours, 48 hours, I guess, to digest Michael Kelly, uh, giving Jeff Scott the boot as head coach of the South Florida Bulls. Uh, we'll get into what we'll t- we went really hard in the paint on um, our hot board. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about some potential candidates here and, you know, we're 48 hours removed as well. Uh, but uh, check it out. It's up on the feed. Uh, we, we depth on, on it. Uh, Seth did a bang up with this. I, was that a Canva? Um, I was a little, little Canva PowerPoint you know, slideshow. I do on my, is that yeah, Canva, Canva, my big fan of Canva. I enjoy the Canva. I do do uh, easy to do some presentations, do some uh, YouTube thumbnails. It's uh, even made a T-shirt there one time. It's great Ooh. stuff. Yeah, it does everything, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it really does. It, it really, really does. Um, so we had Michael Kelly talking to the media today. Um, he got asked about John Gruden before he could even get the first word out. Um, <laughs> folks, it's not happening. Let's just let's just lay the, those cars out on the table. Uh, it's not happening. It would never happen. Michael Kelly's not that stupid. Stop trying to make John. There was no happen. smoke. Seriously, there was no smoke to it. The smoke that there was was created. There was there was nothing to it. Uh, Michael Kelly hasn't even decided if he wants to use a search firm. We'll get into that. Um, but it, just lay it out on the table, man. Not freaking happening. You're not as Seth, you, you were the one that pointed this out on Monday or Sunday, whatever it was. Uh, USF's going, they really want uh, 36% <laughs> of the on campus yeah. stadium to be uh, all the vendors to be, you know, uh, female or minority based. And you're going to hire a guy who got fired for racist and misogynistic and homophobic, uh, emails back and forth while also uh while also like exchanging topless photos of uh washington commanders cheerleaders with his old <laughs> yeah it's, we, yeah 36 percent women-owned business minority-owned and veteran-owned business it's like it, it might be a three strikes you're out on that I mean, uh so uh, like it, we don't know that if he, we don't know if he kneeled during the the national anthem so he could have he probably i mean if you look deep enough in those emails you probably found something uh it seems it seems like it was a a den of iniquity in there but um and just like if you could even get beyond that which seems like a pretty far way to go if you're coming out and kind of announcing this for the stadium then oh we're gonna hire this guy that just like spits in a couple of those right uh even beyond that like the guy hasn't coached at the college level for 30 years. 33 years. For as, long as, the, for as long as I've been alive. 1991. And uh, he won a Super Bowl before all these recruits were alive. So that has <laughs> no relevance to anybody that he would be recruiting. He might as well be, you know, Vince Lombardi. Like it, it, That has no relevance to, to recruits. And then... He's notorious for young players not being able to play for him. So how's that going to work at the call? He'd have to totally change the way he does things, which, you know, 
well, then, then just kind of like, okay, well, if he's going to have to totally change like his schemes and things like that, what do you even want him for? So I, it, I, it made sense at no level to me. I can't imagine a bunch of 18 to 21 year old kids running fucking spider two Y banana. Like, the, the, like even, even as we're all pondering the, how stupid this is like for the, for the people that were so infatuated by, by, you know, getting a guy who comes in, you know, recruits the shit out of Tampa that is the last offense that you should be running if you're trying to recruit Tampa kids is that fucking pro style offense. That's the only <laughs> thing that John Gruden knows. Yeah. Holy With shit. Like, shit. I mean, you might 30. as well just get Bill Walsh's hologram or something. I don't know. Like, who, what school in the Tampa Bay area has fucking fullbacks? <laughs> like, find, find me a school that's going to produce a, a 310 pound offensive lineman. That is just gonna bully the shit. Out. You're gonna have to go to fucking Minnesota and get those kids. Like, oh my god, I was, I, I actually, I, I forgot to tell you this, Nate. I, I started writing a piece on why, like, you can't hire John Gruden. This was before it got completely dispelled earlier today, and I might still, uh, you know, use it as inspiration. I think you but like, still pop it off. I pop it probably, off. absolutely. I'll, I'll finish it uh, probably tomorrow. <laughs> but like, there, there's so many just problems with it and it it's it starts from like beginning to end but most importantly i think we can all learn the lesson that i tweeted out the other day is the loudest candidate and the first candidate is never ever ever the guy at any any school any program does not matter who's doing what like you know like the second that they fired brian harson auburn fans were screaming for dion it was leaked that you know he might be interested, and in, they're probably not going to go with Dion. Like it's 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 evergreen uh, every single time. It, yeah, uh, it, it's certainly. Seen, I wonder. You want to get? You want to hear like a four D chess conspiracy theory? Oh yeah, laid on me. Always. His name was John Gruden's name was leaked to people just to show people they actually wanted that they're willing to spend money. Because you'd have to spend money. I would imagine you'd have to pay John Gruden. Would there's you know? nothing, there's, I would think. For for what? What honestly? Honestly, what would you? Have well, to I mean, you're not. I think it's like, like you're not going to hire him. So that's what it's like. I, to me, it's like well, I don't even know where it would come from. If you were his, his, neighbor. His, his neighbor is a booster for the Bulls and started leaking it to his his buddies in the media, and that's it. Literally, how it happened. Let's not let's not cut corners. Let's not pretend. Uh, there's a very nice hardwood club in in his honor uh, at 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 the Yingling Center. Like let's let's call a spade a spade at this point, folks. Like, listen, I I am very well aware of being worked over uh, for potential jobs happened in 2019. I guess who had a very long 35, 45 minute conversation with a certain former head coach uh, after Charlie strong got fired. Like it's, and I wasn't the only one it's, that's just how this thing works. It's the blatant disregard for not knowing that's what you're being used for is where I, I have trouble um, and uh, I just, I can't, I, 
I can't wrap my head around someone in the media going, it's his job if he wants it. And that's it. It's in. They're done. And then going ghost. Like, hey, I, you know, I made it to to CBS. I, you know, I was on the local Fox 13 affiliate. I, you know, I got I got it. And listen, it, it's really tough because we, I mean, we we've tried. Uh, now I'm getting like inside baseball-ish here, but we've pretty well tried to make sure we we dot our I's, cross our T's before we literally put anything out there. Like we do a pretty damn thorough job. And it's it's disheartening when folks with a, a pre they've got some megawatts behind them are just throwing names out there because you know it's the silly season. It's tough. I I don't like it. It's I don't know. It's it's grimy and it's everything I hate about what we do. Right, but everyone tries to get just, the name out there first and. Then ride the wave and pretend like you had the the insider sources on all this stuff, and it's just <laughs> let's be let's be real here. It it was never going to happen. It was a, a buddy doing someone a favor, and it's literally how Rich Masaccio's name got bandied about every single time there was an opening around USF. That's literally how I, I don't understand how we continue to fall for this sort of crap. Right. But especially especially how quick this was, by the way. Lo and behold, they barely probably got the ink dry on Jeff Scott's resignation paper. I mean, damn, his body was still warm. Like, what are we doing here? It was like, <laughs> it was like 12 hours later. They Michael Kelly's already picked the guy. Uh, congrats, it actually wasn't even 12 hours. I, I heard it three hours after the, the tweet I mean, was out. I just Lord. I, I, I just want to say that we could probably blame Stieg for all of this because I believe he mentioned John Gruden's name like a month ago on the podcast. I did. This did. <laughs> must must credit Robert Stieg from <laughs> the Daily Stampede uh, for for absolutely ruining USF fan culture once again. So if it did happen, Stieg had it first. So yeah, I mean, it's just it, there was smoke to it. So just because it didn't happen though, doesn't mean. Uh, Nate, what was the what was the funny thing that uh, the funny interaction you had last night? Oh yeah, I talked to Michael Kelly last night at the men's and women's basketball game. So this was Monday night, and I uh, congratulated him on maybe the quickest uh, coaching search uh, of all time. You know, less than twelve hours, less than twenty four hours. He goes, "Man, and I didn't even have to make a call." <laughs> it was, it was uh, pretty damn I impressive. I mean, good job all around, and uh, that press conference. I, Again, we're so far inside baseball, but that press conference was absolute hot garbage from the top to the very end was just trash. I thought the way the guy, Tony, want to say his name, the guy at the top just blurted out, you're going to hire Gruden. And <laughs> like then it was, followed up with, you can't really hire Gruden, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> I. I, I I almost I almost drove up to the Leroy Selman Center. I was I was I was vying for an excuse. I was like, Paige, do you need me to drive up to USF right now? Do you need do you need food? Do you need drink? What do you need? Because I was going to drive out there and throat punch someone. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And then, uh, you know, Brian Seegers, who's the SID for for football and for all athletics, goes, "All right, one more question," and it's just a guy thanking Michael Kelly for just being him. 
No question. Just I think you're great. Is that a, I, more of a statement, I, really? <laughs> I've been watching you from afar, like in the bushes. I think I think you're great. I don't know. It's nice. Uh, just giving him a little affirmation in a in a tough time. I mean, you could see him out in the hallway afterward. That's true. <laughs> and uh, so we've let's digress. Um, so as the podcast title suggests, uh, I suppose there's still a game to be played. We will preview the SMU game here in a little bit. I don't know why. Does it all matter? Probably not. Um, so technically, we haven't really talked about the Temple game. Do we want to talk about the Temple game? I mean, it was bad. There's, I don't think there's much else to say. Like you it can't, was bad. Period. It was like as soon as your offense couldn't. It, it was as soon as your offense, the serve was broken. The game was. It was a blowout. There was so much pressure on the offense to perform. Um, they didn't play great in the first half, but they started to kind of turn it on a little bit in third quarter. <laughs> but as soon as they made a mistake, it's over. And that's kind of the pressure they've been under on that side of the ball for most of the year. Like you can play really well, but as soon as you make like you go back to the Florida game, and the defense was able to generate some turnovers, but as well as they played, as soon as they made a mistake at the end of the game, the game was over. Like you lose, basically. You don't there's no margin for error. For the offense, so when they do turn the ball over three times, you're going to get blown out, um, and that's what happened. And it was not something I saw coming. Uh, but I don't think anyone, anyone, yeah, literally I mean, anyone. The guy was averaging like 2.9 yards a carry coming to the game, or 3.1, or something in that small range, right there. You made him look like fucking Barry Sanders out there. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, thank God for Tanner Mordecai throwing for 10 touchdowns. Otherwise, the Temple would have had the Offensive Player of the Week and the Special Teams Player of the Week in a week that uh, USF fired their coach. So, shout out to Tanner and his 10 TDs. I think well, I, every single week, the I, I actually, I don't think it's every single I, A majority of the Offensive Players of the Weeks have been USF supposing. <laughs> yeah, that would uh, be, be an interesting look back. I mean, it's been that way for about three years, if we're being honest. You guys guys discuss. Let me do some math real quick. I thought it was interesting today in Michael Kelly's presser. Basically, he kind of said what we are all thinking. He's like, I didn't, I thought we were going to be telling a different story this week. I think is how he put it. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, and I'm sure he'd been talking to Jeff Scott. Hey, how are we feeling this week? I'm sure Jeff Scott was like, you know, and, but a, a lot more polished. But, hey, these guys aren't very good. We're going to win. Like, this is where we turn it around. And so, you know, you're Michael Kelly, you're going to that game, like, all right, this is where we turn it around. And that happens. You're kind of like, oh, okay, it's not happening. Like, I think that's probably, I think going into it with some expectation, because it sounded like he did, right? Based right. on what he said today, he, he kind of intimated that he thought we'd be talking about a big win and maybe this getting the season turned around. And the exact opposite happened. I mean, truly the literal exact opposite. And I was talking to some folks uh, at the basketball game on Monday, kind of where where Jeff Scott was, his his mindset after that Temple game and uh, just kind of walking off the field. You, he knew it. Everybody around him knew it. Like this was this was it. This was his shot to just stay afloat and 
boy, howdy, did he sink and he sank fast. Yeah, it, it was, uh, it was brutal. It was, it was, uh, such like even like I thought a loss to Temple would have been awful. Just a, a, if they would have kicked the last second field goal, I'd been like, this is a terrible loss. Right. Um, yeah, borderline fireable offense, but to get blown out, I mean, there's there, there was really the you know, Michael Kelly's hands were pretty much tied at that point. There's nothing you can do to stem, like, I, I it really seemed like he thought they could win this one, get a little momentum, maybe beat Tulsa or something, get into the next season, is what it. it just listen to him today. It seemed like the plan was all right. Let's just weather the storm, get these three, four wins, maybe get lucky at four wins, get to next season. That will be the referendum. Get everybody healthy and we'll go from there. Yeah. It just yes. couldn't, just couldn't, it exploded. It, it, it just, uh, <laughs> there's nothing you could do about it. And I think, um, that kind of speaks to his ability in the job to, notice that okay it's time to pull the trigger even though our plan was Mm -hmm. this circumstances change okay we can't we can't do that anymore understanding kind of where the fan base is at and where um you know the program was headed i I think that does show some some leadership really on his part of under kind of seeing that and not just sticking with well this is what we said we're going to do we're just going to stick with it understanding circumstances have changed and pivoting and doing something I'm sure he did not want to do. I I think he's got a lot of respect for Jeff Scott, which I think we all do. Um, Just couldn't get it done on the field, unfortunately. But I I think this shows some leadership from Michael Kelly to just to actually pull the trigger. Yeah. I mean, it got, uh, you know, maybe not in actual dollars, but it got too expensive to keep them. Is really yeah. like the sunk cost. Yeah, the the value did not exceed the price, so to speak, of keeping that that continuity that he preached together. Because it, it, you knew, I mean, it it was over with. That's why Bob Shoup's not here anymore. It just he wasn't the right pick, and you know Jeff uh, Michael Kelly, uh, you know Tuesday during his press conference was, you know, kind of pensive a little bit about how the 2019 firing went down and how the communication may have broken down a little bit, uh, or maybe not as regular touch points with Charlie strong. Uh, and he said, he felt felt like he rectified that a little bit, handled it a little bit better. Um, and you know, it's a, it's a weird thing to say, but you, you only learn what you should have done better after you go through something like that. And that it's, uh, that's, I guess the 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 good thing for him, you know, Mike Kelly's got a lot on his plate. He's he has to nail this hire, and it, if he does not, he will not be here anymore. You can you can't fire three coaches, hire two, and then have to fire the, the second guy you you just picked. Like it, it, that's not how college athletics works. And then you still have this men's basketball thing kind of floating out there where they lose they lose to Semo in op- on opening night where they were dead last in three-point shooting the year prior. Uh, The year before that, there was, you know, racism uh, within the coaching staff. A bunch of players transferred out, and now you you lose a bye game to Southeast Missouri State, 64-61, and now Michael Kelly 
has to deal with that plus this coaching search. And it doesn't get much better for men's. I mean, this is a total tangent, but it doesn't get much better for men's basketball. They go to Auburn on Friday. They they play Stetson, who just knocked off Florida State. Like there's a halfway decent chance you start the season 0 and 3, and now you're looking to hire a football coach, and now you you've got questions swirling around your men's basketball program. I think the one consolation that he's going to have there is that he did hire Lee Butler to kind of to I don't want to say delegate because that's not what Lee Butler was hired for, but your men's basketball search might not be as strenuous as, uh, as your football search um, in the grand scheme of things. And so I think you kind of had that going for you as well. Um, Depending on when (laughs) I'm debating whether to say when or if uh, here, Uh, when, if they decide to pull the trigger, I think is the best way I can say that. Um, but I uh, just checked. Uh, yes, it uh, confirmed every single week uh, in the conference thus far that uh, the imposing uh, the opposing team that USF had played either had a uh, was the offensive player of the week or was on the honor roll um, thus far this season. So that's uh, not great. Especially because one of them was kind of undeserving. The the uh, week that uh, the Cincinnati week, Charles McClellan was uh, on a roll for some reason. He had a couple of touchdowns, I think. Right? Wasn't he? Wasn't that? Yeah. I, I thought his I thought his stat line and Batiste stat line were like just basically identical, but he had like a few more. He had like a couple passes caught out of the backfield or something like that, and, and a win. Yeah. So. And they won. And a, yeah, and a win. You reward. You can't, can't really give it to the you know losing. Team, um, but yeah, um, hey, at, at least, uh, at least you might, um, you know, get lucky this week and play, uh, you know, a team that's you know kind of lulling themselves to sleep and you know, isn't like a high potent offense or anything like that. Wait, well, Robert, hold on, fuck, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, not great uh, for USF's future. Uh, interim head coach Daniel Prado, new defensive coordinator Ernie Sims, uh, have a tall task ahead of themselves at noon on Saturday. It's salute to service uh, day. Uh, the game's on ESPNU. Um, this SMU team, guys, uh, put up 77 points against Houston. And I mean, they gave up 63, but that's a whole lot of points. 56 and a half. 56 in the first half. That's, uh, you know, records are made to be broken. I mean, that that was impressive. I think it was the uh, most points scored in a regular uh, regulation game. Uh, I mean, 10 touchdowns by Tanner Mordecai. I think those were both FBS records or close to it. Uh, it I mean, this Houston defense was not great. I mean, USF was able to do a couple of things before the game got away from them. Uh, reoccurring theme there. Um, but goodness gracious, uh, I'm terrified what SMU is going to do. And I see uh, Eric asking, was it odd that uh, DePrado seemed very confident that the defense would be much improved with Scott and Shoup gone? I think it had more to do with Bob Shoup than anything else. Uh, and also, what's he going to say? Nah. 
Nah, you know what? I think we're going to be worse. They're going to stink. Yeah, I think he's got to project. He's got to project some confidence too. But yeah, that um, that does remind me because someone asked me earlier on Twitter about it, and I feel like now's the the right time to project this to a larger audience. Is why Coach DePrado got the interim tag over, say, an Ernie Sims, a Trickett, you know. Pick your uh, even Mogridge, who is designated as the assistant head coach, and uh, why it was DePrado. Do we want to play um, his music first before we talk about him? Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, Great yeah. segue. Phenomenal. Go Good for job. it. Self high five. Beautiful. Hey, it's um, me. It's me. It's D D P. Daniel Prado. That's right. I mean, interim head coach. Um, interim head coach. Correct. We got an interim head coach, Daniel Prado. He, he long lineage of uh, interim head coaches for USF. Um, so they want to know. De- Never lost, hopefully. Uh, so he, uh, interim tags are kind of weird because you kind of consider, you kind of think, hey, you know, give it to, you know, the, the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Really, it goes, it goes down to like the guy who you think is going to be able to you know, keep the peace and keep the momentum and overall just uh, keep everyone together. You know, you don't want to pick obviously a, a not necessarily a polarizing position by any stretch of the imagination. Offensive coordinators are obviously really popular in that regard because typically play calling duties and you know all that stuff kind of aligns with them. And usually they're they're you know good camaraderie guys. But you kind of want the guy who's going to fire up the team, get them going again, and and make his voice the loudest in the room. Um, and I think, if, I yeah. think Michael Kelly talked about this today. I think somebody asked him why not. I believe, unless I dreamed this, why not trick it? And he was kind of said, um, Coach DePrado being the special teams coach talks to is the one coach that talks to the guys on both sides of the ball consistently. Um, he, um, and then he talked about the offense doing so well, he didn't want to ruin kind of their game planning flow or their like their workflow that they've been doing this year. So he wanted to, if he could get somebody that wasn't on the offensive side of the ball. As the interim, he wanted to do that. DePrado's worked with the defense, and he's also interacts with both sides of the ball on special teams. So um, that was, and that kind of goes to what you're saying, Steve. Uh, you don't really want to mess up too much with the other side. With if you can get a guy that's working with both, and you don't have to take away from either side of the ball in terms of game planning duties and things like that, that makes it easier on everybody. Right. And, and to, to answer, uh, honestly, my favorite name to look at in the chat, beer lover USA. Uh, I'm sure Jeff had a little, uh, with how cordial everything kind of went down, I would imagine Jeff had a little bit of, um, say in who was going to be the, probably a recommendation, you know, Hey, you know, he, he probably gave like the Prado probably Sims I'd imagine was also, but Sims obviously being the defensive coordinator, uh, can't really, uh, you know, he DC, probably gave, he probably gave him a, he probably gave him a yeah he could handle it type thing like Jeff yeah. Scott should have just hired Ernie Sims as DC this year would he have gotten your audition. Long, would he have gotten a longer leash if he hired a young guy as the defensive coordinator I think the defense, on the job? I think the defense would have been scores better this year I guess we'll find out 
I, I was I mean, you missed it last night. I was asking Nick and uh, Stieg when we were getting ready for other show. Do we owe Glenn Spencer an apology? No, for how bad the, the defense is still terrible. Maybe it I don't know that all. man shit. He's not on Twitter. Maybe it wasn't him. Totally. No, um, it was definitely him. I don't think it was probably him and his boss. If we're being honest, I don't think he helped. So lucky for us, they're both gone. That's correct. And I mean, Louisville kind of ran through Wake Forest last week. I mean, there was like 19 and a half turnovers. Can't really stop that, but still, still gave up a bunch of points. Well, he's, not call, he's not calling the plays now. So I'm sure that's a big difference. Yeah, that'll help. Um, but <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, we owe him, we owe Glenn Spencer one Friday beer. I've been thinking I, about it for two years. Now. Gosh, basically, <laughs> he's been thinking about it. We're coming up on a full year. Um, uh, it's so sad that 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 meme never got the run that it should. I know. Oh, that's that's our probably our most disappointing thing that we've we've haven't been able to fully utilize uh, here. Um, it just the way that the team reacted uh, last year in the Central Florida game. I I figured it would have just been a natural fit. You give Ernie Sims the the co DC title, but I mean it was basically just like a pay bump kind of thing because Florida state started sniffing around for, I think they, I think they were in need of a linebackers coach uh, last cycle and they were sniffing around Ernie Sims and it was Jeff Scott's way to keep him on, on staff and happy. I, I've talked to Ernie a couple of times. Like the, he's, he's a dude that is, he's going to go, he's going to go places. He will be a full-time DC somewhere at some point in the next like three years. If not sooner, the the dude just has it, and he racked up a bunch of tackles in the NFL. He was the ninth overall pick by the Lions. Like he had to play for the Lions. Like he knows down bad. Like he knows, <laughs> like in the mud down bad. All right, and he knows how to rally rally the troops, so to speak. Um, he's it's a, gonna be fun. He's a Tallahassee guy. I wonder if there's a, a somebody that might get the job that may know him. Yeah, he is a Tallahassee guy. NFC. I think he went to. North Florida Christian, if I'm not mistaken. I played against his younger um, brother, Marcus. There it is. Not uh, quite as good as Ernie, but pretty decent player. Pretty decent. Let's, you know what, let's do, we'll, we'll call it Hot Board 2.0 real quick. Um, I'm going to rapid fire. I'm going to ask for your least favorite. Oh, you're going to have four favorites, all right? They're, okay. They're all going to be guys that you're going to be okay with hiring. And they can all they can be the same. We know we we we've talked about this for seventy two hours at this point. We're kind of on the um, the precipice of kind of being all on the same page, I think. Um, but Steve, number four on your list, who would you be okay with? Real quick before we start, can we say the Kerwin Bell is understood? Yeah, Ker- oh, Kerwin Bell is a blanket like he's, that's understood. That's implied. Uh, Ker- yeah, Ker- the Kerwin Bell is implied. Okay. All right. So <laughs> yeah. you don't have to use it. You don't have to use this. Yeah, you don't have to use a spot for Kerwin Bell. The it's Kerwin is implied. implied. Okay. The Kerwin. God, is he was giving me my fourth one too. Now I have to now I have to like dig deep <laughs> in my brain. Uh shit. Um. Oh, what's uh, what's his name? Alex something. He was the old UCF. Uh, I mean, these Golish. 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 The first two are going to be a trend. Yes, Alex Golish. Uh, 
that is my uh <laughs> no fuck. <laughs> I'm, I was I'm gonna say this actually before we get to a hot tangent. I was so mad that oh. they still have not traveled Jordan Smith. <laughs> just use the guy. Well, maybe use it's the- shit. Maybe it'll change with the coaching. What if he just comes out and you know what we've decided the last two games? Fuck it. No. Um, yeah. So number four is probably and these are all gonna follow a trend, by the way. Alex Golish is probably number four for me. Um I not the not the sexiest names that you can grab out there, but hey, that, right. that Tennessee offense when it's clicking. Mm-hmm. It does it. He does not, I don't believe he calls plays. Um, so that could be an interesting dynamic as he gets elevated. Um, I th- probably He's got a, bit a really wrong. good reputation. Like people think he might be a rising star, but also keep in mind, I just I pulled that name because that was the most recent name that right. I had looked up recently. No, you caught me on a fly here. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I like to keep you guys on your toes. Uh, Seth, for you, number four. Uh, I'm gonna put a guy here that. I don't think it's likely. I think it'd be a great hire, but I don't think it's likely. Um, so I'll put him at four just because it's maybe a waste of time talking about it. But I'll put D on it four. Um, there's buzz that they might try to go after him, which I think you, you got to give him a get a run at him, right? But doesn't seem likely, but I'll put him at four because uh, I'm, I'm not seeing him on any of the other, you know, source to list from uh, journalists around the country. So when they're tapping their sources, that one doesn't come up, but uh, I'd give him a run for sure. So I'll put him there at four, even though if, if if you could get him, he may be my top choice if you could land him, but I just don't think it's likely. Right. And for all those reasons, Seth, uh, Dion was my fourth pick. I think he'd be a a great hire. I think he'd be great fit. He'd be, he would energize the boosters like nobody's business. Um, That would be, that would be a fun hire. Um, you want to talk but, about recruiting? Yeah. You, you want to talk about getting your NIL stuff in, in order. And do you have Dion? You'd have Dion an hour from IMG. He'd probably do pretty well there, but yeah. And you may be able to pry his, uh, his son. Oh, he'd be coming to you'd probably get him and Travis Hunter. Uh, they've got oh. some guys that could come in and play right away on that team. That would transfer one time transfer in, yeah. Um, so he'd be, he'd be a, he'd be a be pretty fun. good swinger. Uh, he he uh, he's making like three hundred k at Jackson State, mostly because he. I mean, he doesn't need the money. Um, but if you if you were paying like Jeff Scott like two point one million dollars this year, you could you could splurge. I think you can splurge on it. I mean, there was there's money in the coffers for the buyout for Jeff Scott. I put the side, I put the FOIA in for the termination paperwork, figure out what the final buyout is when I get it. We'll all get it. I'm sure every single journalist who's asked for it, will get it at the exact same time. So it'll be a race to uh, put it out first. Um, so there's that. Um, Steve, number three for you. Number three. Uh, again, good God. You're going to follow You're going to fall in love with me. DJ Kenny. Uh, the head coach at Incarnate Word right now. Uh, again, former UCF offensive coordinator. Uh, I promise. I promise it's not because of the UCF connections. It's it's the offense that these guys run is just. It's a fun it's offense. So dynamic. It's so much fun, and that's what USF needs. I, I really, in truthfully, if every week 
was last week for SMU in Houston for USF fans, oh, we'd have so much fun. It'd be so great. Film rooms would take two and a half hours to, to unfold, but they'd be, you know, it, and, it'd and be just for rain. Just for reference, Incarnate Word is averaging 51.6 points a game right now. Uh, and if I recall correctly, they put up 70 points in the first half in their last game. So <laughs> they they put up 55 on Nevada when they went up for their for their bye game. They played Nevada and put up 55 and one. So, and it, it's I mean it's it's quite a step up. You can so throw, you tell I mean, me GJ Kenny has more has as many FBS wins as Jeff Scott did. Yes, and the margin oh, he, his margin is doubled better up. as well. Yeah, he's an eight so. and one there. Um, and they I mean their defense isn't that bad. Um, I mean they're just scoring the hell out of teams right now. So, I mean the the most recent scores uh, seventy three to twenty. 35 to 7, 70 to nothing, 49 14, 56 17. Like, come on. Just score fucking points, man. I'll tell you. Seth, for you, uh, number three. I've kind of got a tie for uh, three and two, or it's it's close enough to be a tie. But for three, I'd go Willie Simmons from FAMU. Um, Florida, Florida guy. from Quincy. I heard him. He referenced himself. He said he's just a country boy from Quincy. Um, I like him just hearing it, listening to him speak a little bit, uh, hearing him listen to him talking media days, listen to him talking post games, uh, listen to some mic'd up at practice and scrimmages type stuff. I like him. I remember I liked his offense when they came in to play USF last year, I believe it was. Uh, I thought they did some interesting stuff on offense and uh, just watching a little bit of them. They do some good stuff. I like him. Uh, I think he would do well and probably be a pretty good recruiter. He seems like a guy that kids would gravitate to. So, and he's uh, he's in the state of Florida already, and they do a good job of identifying talent early. And they're like they're down here offering kids in the Bay Area, like twenty twenty five kids already. So, I think he would be an interesting one, and he's one kind of everywhere he's been. So he, he would be interesting to me. I, the other, the guy I have above him that I'm coming around to similar, I think in terms of winning with lesser talent, but he's done it at a little bit of a higher level. Uh, so I'd give him the leg up now, but I think he's a really good candidate. Willie Simmons. He's got to be a guy that's interviewed. I think. Yeah, I think so. My top three are pretty close together. Like I, I mean, I'll be okay with all four of these folks, um, but we're splitting hairs with the top three here um, for posterity for just be a little bit different than you, Seth. Um, I'm going to go Tom Herman. Number three. Uh, I don't is, have him in mind. That's a good one though. He's a consummate winner. All right. He got fired at Texas for winning. He won. He just didn't win enough. Win enough. They won uh, I all. It, I think they won four bowl games. They him. they went they went four and zero in bowl games. That's pretty good. Um, I just he's he's fun. He he recruited Ed Oliver. He recruited Derek King. Like he knows how to recruit in this conference. Uh, and I think. From I mean I understand that he may not be the nicest guy around. Sometimes he can be a bit of a uh, an asshole, but you know a lot of head coaches can be assholes. Um, 
And quite frankly, maybe USF needs an asshole as a head coach because the, the nice guy routine didn't really work uh, too too well for for them. And I think that's what Dion and Tom may have uh, in in common for me at least is uh, they're they have no problem uh, ruffling some feathers. And uh, at least at USF, Tom Herman won't have to debate. You know, he won't have the sniper uh, in front of his head if uh, he doesn't. If he decides not to to play a, a pretty racist song, so there's uh, that. You know, there's that. He, he knows the hand be, signal already. He already knows the hand signal, and it's a little bit different than when Charlie Strong got fired by Texas and then came to USF. Uh, he was Tom Herman won. He won games. He nine and three beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Like he won games. He won games at Houston. I think it'd be a, a pretty interesting. Um, higher there um number two for you steeg um yeah it's willie simmons i i I just think it's part of me is torn by it as well um a lot similarly to uh a few people have kind of talked about it like i i don't love the idea of of poaching a guy who's hbcu through and through um, when HBCU is desperately needing this, you know, these sort of guys around them, someone that just really, you know, conveys the message and the importance of historical black colleges and universities, um, especially at a very trying time like this. It just, it seems very uh, shrillish to kind of just poach the guy uh, because we can, you know, basically triple his salary and uh, tell him, Hey, please fix, fix, uh, fix this broken program, Willie Simmons. Um, but that's not to say that he isn't a really good fucking candidate because he's won almost everywhere he's been. He's been able to rebuild just absolutely destitute programs. I mean, that we, Nate, Seth, and I, or excuse me, Seth, Nick, and I talked about it last night where, you know, he was the head coach of Prairie View AM. Prairie View AM, it was just an absolute downtrodden program that was just nothing good could happen to them ever. And he found a way to win at Prairie View AM. And by God, I think you can find a way to win at the University of South Florida, not using the exact same methods that you did at Prairie View, but following a very similar mindset to that. So um, he's, he's again, not the sexiest candidate. A lot of casual fans probably wouldn't like it um, because, you know, taking a guy from FCS uh, doesn't, you know, move the needle a lot for those casual fans. But, you know, listening to him talk, listen to how infectious his personality is and how uh, astute and studious he is at the game. Uh, he he's he's got the pieces. I think after a few press conferences, he might win over some people. I agree. As a, I mean, it's a solid pick there, uh, Seth. Uh, number two for you. The second guy is uh, Sean Lewis from Kent State. Um, he's they run a really good offense there. Um, he's six foot seven or six foot eight. He's a gargantuan human being. And also, so Kent State, their history before he got there is they'd been to two bowl games, one in 1929 and the second one in 2006. He got hired in 2018. They've been to two bowl games since he got hired. They probably would have gone to one in the COVID year. Um, They were three and one. It had like – I first started looking at them because they had like their EPA on offense was number one in the country even above Alabama's when in that 2020 season when Alabama was absolutely loaded. So I kind of started with, what are, what are they doing? Uh, they run kind of that, their, um, their OC that I would assume he'd bring with them uh, 
played at Baylor or, or has some connection to Baylor. So he runs that, he knows that Bryles offense and that's what they run. Basically same thing Tennessee's running. Um, and he's a guy that at Kent state where they don't win very much. He's been, he's made two bowl games. So basically tied with the, the previous 100 or plus years or whatever, they've been playing football. He's already tied him in bowl games. I think he would do a good job. Um, and I, I think he would bring, uh, an exciting offense along with the, I think he's kind of a hard nosed guy and he's the one, he's a coach. Everyone picks to win. if there was a fight, <laughs> so that's always good to have on your side. Yeah. He's uh, 30 and he's 36 years old and he makes yeah. $450,000. So you could probably, you could probably yeah. double that and or triple that and still be saving money. Yep. Um, I think that the downside for him, uh, Kent State's three and six this season. Um, yeah, that, that would be the tough sell is you'd have to sell the the previous six. Set. They they graduated their quarterback that was a senior, and they also played like their out-of-conference schedule was brutal. I think they played was, on the road yeah, at Washington, was, at Georgia, Washington, and they played Georgia, Georgia the second. And, and Oklahoma. Yeah, and they played Georgia closer than Tennessee did, I think, or it was pretty close. I think they seven. Yeah. it was 39-22. Yep. So they were able to score a little on Georgia. So uh, he would be an interesting candidate to me. I think, um, I don't know, he's a Midwest guy seemingly, but I think he would do well. Yeah, uh, for sure. That's That'd be an interesting pick. I think it'd be a tough sell for a fan base that's clamoring for someone with a, a winning pulse. I think that's probably the most uphill battle kind of thing. And, name, and not a lot of name cachet. Like Sean Lewis... Yeah, everyone's like, who's that? Yeah, so. his, uh, his record is uh, like looking at his year over year record and everything like that is not the most inspiring, right? To look at, I will say that. Yeah, you just have to understand where Kent State was when he took they they were right. being really bad. You're asking fans to be rational, so <laughs> and for well, like an idiot, I'm asking Michael Kelly to be rational. <laughs> <laughs> so for um, them to they started his first year, they were two and ten, they went seven and six and won a bowl game his second year, so. Then three and one, seven and seven, and three and six this year. So yeah, this year is kind of dipped down, but they won their division last year and lost in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Yep. Um, so number two for me is uh, Willie Simmons. Um, for all the points that you mentioned, Seth, I, I think he's a he'd be a great candidate. Um, knows the area. <laughs> would probably be able to keep Ernie Sims on staff and I think uh, build around it. And, you know, Steve, to your point about kind of pulling guys from HBCUs, frankly, I'm all for it. Who cares? There needs to be more black college, you know, FBS level college coaches. I, I don't really Absolutely care where they fair. come. Yes. I, I, I really don't care where they come from. Uh, I want them to be successful. It's, uh, it's kind of atrocious. I think, and it's a, you know, so far out of like, you know, our spectrum of, of sports, but like the Jeff Saturday thing with the Colts is probably so, one of the most so bizarre. It's like that gives the, me hope that maybe Michael Kelly will call it. My, my phone could ring. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. you're, me you're just you're an analyst you're just hanging out uh, i you, cover the, at least i cover the team i don't think just there even covers the Colts specifically i mean yeah you have more i just revealed i just revealed number one on my list <laughs> myself <laughs> it's me <laughs> uh but 
I mean, that's that's why these guys get into coaching. They want to coach at the top level, um, and he he is more than paid his dues. I, he's ready for the jump, and I would be over the moon excited if he was the head coach. Uh, for Somebody's coming for him. Somebody's coming for him the next couple of years. Yeah. So I think so too. And uh Stieg, drum roll, your top pick right now, hotboard 2.0. Who is it? Uh, oh, it's Jamie Chadwell. It, it, and for multiple reasons. Wait, you know, time I, out. I, Seth, is he your number one as well? Yes. He's my number one as well. Right. Congratulations. We've done it, folks. Uh <laughs> we're, I was real, <laughs> we're giant groups think over here. I was higher than I, I near I nearly I nearly put Tom Herman number one. Like that's how close one, two, and three are for me. Um, but again, I'd be ecstatic for all with all four. But Jamie Chadwell, my God, that offense, guys. Yeah. I mean, and imagine imagine a Gary Bohannon running that offense too. It, it, it's fun and enticing to me. But I, I think it's, you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about a different thing besides just the, you know on field potential of it all is that the hair, the hair. Oh, good God. <laughs> um, he, he fits in with Florida, but not the, this part of Florida, uh, the, my mullet, part of Florida. the mustache, oh, Steve. full sexy individual here. Um, no, but I, I think what it can do at least for USF in this type of situation to poach, not just another group of five head coach, but a very successful group of five head coach at a university that's been sustaining success for the last six or seven years in football can mm-hmm. really kind of reestablish who USF is. It, it, it's, it's very much going out there and putting your dick on the table and saying, yes, we've been bad for the past six years, but we still have fuck you money. Yeah. You want to sell investment, go out and triple Jamie Chadwell's salary. And you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> he's at what? He's at nine hundred k. He's at nine hundred k. He has fifty k and two point seven. He has fifty k raises every every season. Yep, and and he recruits the hell out of Florida. Every time I see USF offer a kid, and USF is really good at offering kids early. Yeah, Coastal they, Carolina either has done it before or shortly thereafter. So he recruits the hell out of Florida. So you're getting a guy who is doing pretty good on the NIL front with, with his, with his kids. And again, they're in coastal Carolina. This is not a business hotbed of the world uh, by any stretch of the imagination. He's recruiting well already in the state of Florida. He has that head coaching winning experience and God damn it. You can triple his salary. That's, you know, and he's about to lose Grayson McCall. He's about to lose a lot of those senior guys that he's kind of built and, and brought back. I, is he up for the challenge? Who knows? You know, there are some coaches that may, you know, may, may be comfortable in Myrtle Beach, but listen, like uh, Brian Batie and these backs in that offense too. I mean, it, that the, the offense Boy, for the state of Florida, you could recruit to that offense really well, um, and you don't have to have like a great passer every year. You could, you could just kind of find guys in the state of Florida guys that are more athletic, but you can also mold it if you have a guy that's a passer. I think his offense is somewhat malleable, and um, it's really exciting. I, it, you would become like um, – if you hired Jamie Chadwell, yeah, at least with the college football nerds, you'd become like appointment viewing every week, right? 
Right. He's a guy you, people have always talked about. What if you had this gimmick offense in the state of Florida? Like, what if you had the air raid in the state of Florida? Which I, I would love them to hire an air raid guy too. But what if you had like this or that in this with Florida athletes? This would be an offense if you had with Florida athletes. So it would be really, really fun to watch. And the guy doesn't take himself too serious. I mean, we saw the mullet. He grew it up because guys on the team grew it out. So he's like, yeah, I'll grow one out too. Like, and and they did a good job of branding themselves. I think their I think their thing is balling at the beach, Myrtle Beach. They've done a really good job of kind of digging in with the community, ingratiating themselves with the community, and and then kind of marketing themselves to recruits to where get people want to go play there in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So I think he would be a home run hire, especially if he brings his staff, which is I think he would because they've been with him for a long time. Mm-hmm. He came up through D2, one at D2, one AA, one there, moved up to coastal and is one there um he seems to fit what they want i think they want energy i think they'd probably prefer head coaching experience even though it's not necessary i'm sure you would prefer having a head coach and he's a guy that has been kind of a finalist up there for power five jobs if you came in there like steak said and grabbed him that signals to everybody hey we're we're investing we're spending money we're not screwing around anymore so i i think it would be it would be a good signal to the fan base as well that hey we're 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 investing in this. The only uh, the only foreseeable problem that I can see is there's probably another school between Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and Tampa, Florida that is probably going to be going after him as well. I think I would probably assume. Um, and so you might have you you might have to fend off a you know a, a, a George Tech. But yeah, I wonder how I wonder how his. His shtick kind of plays there, you know. Right. I mean, culture-wise, any any culture can fit as long as you win football games, really, yeah. at that point. But you know, I he he's definitely like give him a call. And yeah, I I've been surprised to see his name on lists that like journal like national journalists and and people with some sources are putting out. So to me, I thought it was kind of a pipe dream at first, but to see his name pop up on these lists, and I think it got added. The Athletic put out a list, and then they went back and added Jamie Chadwell to it after they initially put it out. So to see that kind of lends some credence to the thought that it's possible, and I think if it's possible, that would be uh, a great, great hire. The the question I have for both of you, um, because I know you guys just absolutely stand coastal on their their offense, would Willie Korn – come to Tampa with him or is he just he's basically lined up to to take over and be the next set that would be yeah that would be kind of when I was saying I think he'd bring his whole staff um you could lose one of those coordinators I guess there now corn is like a co-offensive coordinator with their running backs coach um I think Uh, corn is Isaac I think or something like that I think I think corn is the passing (laughs) game guy um but he's he's been with them for a while and but I think his defensive coordinator has been there too for a long time, so they may all want to just move on to Tampa. But yeah, one of them may get left behind. But I, I think what's nice is like he is the guy. It's kind of they all they work it together, but it's his offense. So mm-hmm. I think you'd still kind of get it. You, it the, the offense wouldn't right. leave with Willie Corn. Um, when we were wanting Willie Corn as the OC, it's because he could bring some of those elements down right. last year. Um, but I, I think, I think, uh, Chadwell is a guy, he was, he was an offensive coordinator before he was the head coach at coast. He was OC and then was an interim and then got the job full time. So, 
Yep. Um, and we, we've kind of touched upon it a couple of times. Um, and so in, in 2019, it wasn't really the offense. Like it wasn't an offensive problem. Like I think, I think we could probably all agree uh, the Kerwin of it all. If he doesn't take that job in 2019, he's probably a, a candidate a front runner. Yeah. In 2019 or even now. Um, and it, now it's kind of the same kind of process. Now, Travis Trickett's he's not going to get this job. It, it, and now he's he's kind of in no man's land, right? Where it, it, like he was brought in to kind of help usher the offense forward. He's done that. And now he's in no man's land of wherever he could possibly end up. I think it, might, it may depend. I think there's a few guys on the staff that could get retained where like last time – it certainly seemed like they didn't want anything to do with anybody that was on staff. Do you think uh, they're going to do exit interviews? I would certainly hope so. If you don't, why, yeah, why it'd be stupid if you didn't do edu- exit interviews with the previous. Yeah, that'd be staff. that'd be stupid. Like, because <laughs> like dumb. if like let's say like one one uh, a couple of coaches had like an idea of okay, we're probably going to need to go go this this and this in recruiting. Here's where we go get it from. Um to make the team as good as possible the next season. Like that would be good information um, to know, I think. So that's what you'd be yeah, You'd do some, I'm sure you'd do some exit interviews to not do. It would be really uh, naive and foolhardy. I dare say. Yeah. And if you would combine that with maybe not watching game film from the, that season that you're taking over, it'd just be doubly bad. Um, it probably would. It would be, I'd imagine it'd be tough to win more than like one game that first year. If that was the yeah. approach you took. For, yeah, I, I would, I would agree. Jeff um, Scott didn't do exit interviews. <laughs> we'll nip that at the bud. <laughs> um, uh, ridiculous question. Can you sell to Prado if they went out? Oh, I can Steve, sell the this shit is, out of him. This is all you, buddy. Uh, oh my take, God. Take it away. You've got, you've got two minutes to sell me on Daniel to Prado. If they go three, now. Oh fuck me! I I want I want high energy. Listen, I'm I, like, dude's high energy. Dude, lo- like, dude loves the players. The players love him. This guy cares so much about this Tampa Bay community. I, I would I will actually be pissed if the new coach that is brought in does not retain Daniel Prado because this guy is completely bought into the Tampa Bay community, uh, and he has the best Twitter account that I've ever seen from a head, from a from a coach in general. Like, you know, he's he's approaching like a like Sean Tucker level of of just absolute uh, just shit cannery uh, tweeting, which is just an absolute sell for me as uh, a degenerate tweeter at this point. Um, Really, in all honesty, I I love the Prado. I think he's going to do a phenomenal job for his three games here. I think this is basically his audition to do bigger and better things aside from being a special teams coach. I think what he's been able to do at USF you know, turning the special teams into not just a, a close knit family, but a successfully, you know, well oiled machine and, and getting people to give a shit about special teams uh, when they was just so neglected previously is such a blessing that, you know, whether he stays here, whether he doesn't, he's, he's destined for great things. You know, his defensive coordinating, uh, you know, audition last year kind of probably uh, gets him a leeway into a, a pretty, you know, well, off position at some point in the near future. So, um, damn it, hire the man, keep him, uh, keep him in, in the wheelhouse somehow, some way. 
if even if he's just your culture, uh, you know, coach, pay that pay that man the salary that he deserves. I, I, if they went out, does he guarantee himself a spot on the next staff? You think if you come in as an interim and you went out, would that guarantee? Would you, would you think somebody would keep him on then? Who was it at Florida State? The, uh, the that longtime coach that's been there for like Odell Hagens. Yeah, Odell, Odell Hag- it, it feels a lot like that. Like if we can have Daniel DePrado be like the Odell Hagens of USF, like I'd oh, I'd be all for it. It'd be incredible. Um, yeah, just keep the special teams coach. I mean, that's he doesn't have to mesh gel or anything. He just has to have good player relationships and everything. So, um, yeah, uh, I agree. We can probably address Bill's question. Um, when oh, geez, when I mean, we've we kind of touched on that. Um, yeah, right, yeah. I, we, we, yeah, I mean. He technically he didn't hire Brian Gregory, so he's got that going for him. He hasn't fired a basketball coach yet. So there's that. So he hasn't gotten a shot at um doing that. I think he's probably had multiple opportunities to fire Brian Gregory. Um and hasn't yet. And we'll, we'll see on the court if it if it was a mistake or not. Uh after Monday night, it may have been, but we don't know that quite yet. Um we probably do. But still, um, we'll we'll keep close eye on on that and uh, how things kind of shake out with this coaching hire. How much I think it was pretty um, eye opening. It kind of I don't know if it went under the radar, but it really felt like uh, Michael Kelly made a point on Tuesday to say, yeah, uh, it'll be, you know, he was talking about the search firm and, you know, doing background checks and kind of why you bring them in, maybe not turning over the search to them completely, but basically saying, this is going to be my choice. Uh, The board and president um, aren't going to be kind of dictating this. It's going to be my choice for, the next football head coach. I thought that was, I don't know, not maybe not important, but it, it, telling it where the state of affairs are that maybe he wanted to be clear about who was making the decision uh, with that hire. How much due diligence do looking back on it? How much do you think he did on Jeff Scott? Or you think it was like that? Uh, this is who I'm hiring. Like you think it was pretty much because it happened so fast. You think. By the time he fired strong, he already knew that he had Scott in the bag. Um, or I don't, it, I don't, I don't know if about you don't that. have anybody doing background, like because he has contacts in the conference and contacts with a lot of people that knew Jeff Scott. Like, was do you think it was just as simple as him reaching out to those people? Probably if he did it by himself. He didn't have you know background checks. He probably didn't, he didn't need all that for that search. But yeah, uh, you know, he probably. Um, periphery kind of background stuff, making sure there's no skeletons in people's closets. Um, he did interview five guys. Some of them were courtesy interviews. Um, I won't, I don't think the names, I don't think the five names ever been put out, so I won't do that. Um, uh, but it was an eclectic group. Uh, three years later, it's the, the group that the, it doesn't have its, uh, the luster that it did, uh, in 2019. I think it's fair to say, uh, one guy's being sued for, um, some improprieties. Um, another guy hasn't, two of the guys haven't been in football in like two or three years. 
uh, one guy struggling at an FCS school, and uh, there was one more. I don't know. That's it. And then the guy he actually hired. So there's that. Yeah. Um, I think he may cast a wider net. And I think that's why the search firm may be in place to maybe go a little bit more national. Um, maybe stay a little bit south because you, you need, you honestly got to need the Florida ties. Or if you don't, you, your offensive or defensive coordinator, someone needs to be able to recruit Florida, recruit South Florida, especially. That's why Trickett was brought in because uh, he has those South Florida ties. Um, that's going to be a key piece for, for everything. But we are an hour in, hour and four minutes in. We really haven't talked about SMU. And frankly, guys, I suppose there's still a game to be played, but man, who cares? Go have fun. I don't care what y'all do. Um, SMU's freaking good. They've got a f- really good, fun offense. Uh, I mean, their EPA is 11 or uh, 27th in the country. 18th throwing the ball. Yeah, basically, USF's only chance is a shootout. And so it's kind of the same as last week. If you don't turn, if you don't turn the ball over, I think you have a chance offensively to put up some points. But if you turn the ball over, this is one that gets away from you really fast again. So kind of the same script as last week, except big difference from last week. SMU's actually really good on offense and Temple was not. <laughs> so maybe so maybe the fast. inverse happens and SMU can't move the ball. Yeah. So their defense is is pretty poor. I think Parker's got it as like a 10 or 12 point game, doesn't he? Something really Yeah, it was like a 45 to like 35 something or something. Yeah. yeah. It, was a, it was a smaller it's a lot margin. closer than Yeah. So that was interesting, but I think we we talked about it last night. Only chance USF has to win is a shootout. I, I I would imagine, unless Ernie Sims is like, you know, Buddy Ryan reincarnated, <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, then I think I think your only chance is a shootout. You're going to see a ton of points from SMU, uh, and USF is actually one of the biggest over teams in the country. They've gone to the over. I think they're how many games have played nine now? I think they're eight and one to the over. Mm-hmm. Average of eight points higher than the total. So, yeah, you're gonna have to keep the uh, keep the offense on the field. Yes, sir. Yes, you are. Um, but honestly, guys, I think that's. I mean, we've kind of done it, overdone it, done it a little bit more. Um, it's going to be an interesting four weeks. You know, Michael Kelly did say kind of wanted the deadline December fifth maybe a little bit before that, that gives them what? So this final game, so what the 26th. So that's nine, basically nine days again um, from the final game to December 5th. It, it was prudent to get a head start on this. Um, so we'll go from there. Um, stay tuned. It's going to be an interesting final three weeks of the season. Plus, uh, and just a, a quick reminder, uh, when a coach is fired or leaves, all current players have a 30-day window to enter the transfer portal. It's not the designated portal time, so just be aware of that. So they basically have until December 6th to enter their portal. Uh, so just be prepared for that so they can enter at any time right now. Um, if that's 
what they think is best for them. So just be aware and wary of, of that. Um, but for now, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Be sure to download, subscribe, like, rate, uh, five stars, whatever you want. For Seth, Stieg, I've been Nathan Bond. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Bloom Night Podcast. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Hey, good luck to Coach Bussey in Sarasota as they play Manatee in the playoffs this week. Ooh, big game. Go Bulls.